When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Did you miss Canty and Carlin? That's right. Aaron Judge, he is staying in New York. He's staying in those pinstripes. And it cost the Yankees quite a bit of money to keep that superstar. This is Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, and on your smart speaker. Just say play ESPN Radio. No Canty, no Carlin. Today, I'm Gabe Neitzel, along with Michael Rothstein, as we help, as we start to break down uh, this Aaron Judge story. And, and there were rumors out there throughout the entire um the entire offseason for baseball. Oh, is he going to go back to the Yankees? Interest reported reportedly from the San Diego Padres, from the San Francisco Giants. But ultimately, Michael, he stays in New York, which seems right to me. The Aaron Judge betting on himself and Hal Steinbrenner and the front office for the Yankees eventually giving him this money just feels right because the Yankees go out. Like, historically, they go out. They take your best player. How in the world can they let their own best player walk away and ultimately he stays in New York? No, listen, there was no chance. By the way, that music at the start, I'm doing the show from New York today where I grew up. So I thought that was actually for me, not for Aaron Judge. But hey, you know, <laughs> we can just roll with it. I mean, I'm why gonna... not for both? Why not both? Fine, I'll take it. But also, hey, there we go. <laughs> that makes me happy doing the show from the seaport today. In all seriousness, it makes a ton of sense that Aaron Judge would stay in New York. Like to me, like you said, there was no chance that the Yankees were going to get let their best player go. The guy who's been the face of their franchise for what the past five, six, seven or so years. It just didn't seem like it was plausible to happen. Now, listen, Aaron Judge is from California. I could see the pull there. There were even some Twitter kerfuffling that he maybe was going to go to California yesterday, but. Like you said, it always seemed like at the end of the day, the Yankees, which this is what the Yankees always do, they will always overpay. They will always say, you know, we want you, so we're going to pay you more than anybody else to make sure we have you. And that is the theme of the Yankees for, oh, I guess I'm 42 years old. So what, 42 years? I mean, that's just (laughs) what they do. Yes, that is exactly what they do. And Michael K. made a really good point earlier today on Greeny Michael K., a Yankees announcer on television, also host on ESPN New York 98.7. He knew the Yankees could not lose Judge without impacting that big brand that the Yankees have. The Yankees very rarely lose the player that they want. I mean, a couple of years ago, they were going to get Garrett Cole at all costs, and they did. Did they want to go to nine years? Probably not. This time, they knew they had to keep Aaron Judge for the brand, for the stadium, for the network, and obviously for the field. And if they were going to have to bid against teams like the Padres and the Giants, they were going to have to bid against them. So he bet on himself, and he made himself about another $150 million by putting together a near-triple-crown season. Yeah, he was unbelievable this year. That was Michael K. earlier today on Greeny. And with, with Aaron Judge, it just made way too much sense for him to return to the Yankees. 62 home runs. Like you can't let him walk away after he breaks your <laughs> franchise record for home runs. Like, Can you imagine how that would react? And it seems like, at least the way I'm reading the reports, Michael, that have been out there from Jeff Passan and Buster Only, I know, has talked about this quite a bit. 
it seems like I, I'm, I'm curious to see what ultimately the offers were from teams like the Padres and the Giants, but it seems like he might have left a little bit of money on the table, which this to me ends up being a win-win. He wanted to be a Yankee. He cashes in and gets $150 million more uh, than, he, than the Yankees offered at the end of spring training. He ends up still getting the most money on an annual basis for a position player at about $40 million per. So you tick all these boxes and maybe he leaves a little bit money on the table from the Padres and Giants, but ultimately goes back to New York and still is able to walk away with so many other wins. Now, listen, here's the other part of this, right? And a lot, it often does not get talked about when we're talking about contracts because to me and you, Gabe, it would be very a big deal. But to somebody like Aaron Judge, it probably sounds like a rounding error, but taxes. No, when you're talking about leaving a little bit more money on the table, if And maybe someone can correct me if I'm wrong here. I believe California's income tax is a little bit higher than New York. So it might end up evening out if, say, those offers were more from California. Because one thing we all know is California has insanely high income tax, especially on the wealthy. And guess what? Aaron Judge is very, very, very wealthy. What, 40 million bucks a year? That's, that's, oh, that's very, very, that, that qualifies as very, 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 very wealthy. I mean, it's not billionaire money, but it's close. (laughs) (laughs) He's, He's, he's going over the quarter of a billion mark with this contract. And that's the, the as much as everybody else probably hates the Yankees, because and that's, that's just the way it's always been. You, you want to talk about the Yankees overpaying for players for 42 years, and you've been on the planet for 42 years. I've been on the planet for 36 years. They've been doing it for 36 years. So, but, but, so everybody hates the Yankees, right? Like, because they do those things. But at the same time, even if you hate the Yankees, I think you can appreciate the part of the story that Aaron Judge said, nah, I'm going to walk away from that offer that's seven years, $215 million, because I'm better than that. You, I think you should pay me more money than that. And then he cashes in, gets two more years, and $150 million more on the deal. They, that part of the story is cool for him to bet on himself and then go out and hit 62 home runs and make the Yankees pay. Oh, listen, that's exactly what he did. And not only that, I wish more athletes would do that because I feel like more athletes would take chances on themselves and generally they would win. Think of how often across sports we see an athlete in a contract year have the best year of his career. Now, sometimes that ends up hurting the team that signs that player, and you see it all the time in the NFL specifically, where, hey, look at that. That guy had a career year. I'm going to sign him. And then he regresses right back to the mean. There's no concern with that with Aaron Judge because even if he regresses back to his mean, his mean is still, what, 45, 50 home runs, (laughs) all-star performances. Like We're talking about a no-brainer here. To me, the biggest concern, if I were the Yankees, would be Kind of what the Freddie Freeman concern was a little bit maybe with Atlanta last year and what the Dodgers end up doing or the Miguel Cabrera contract long, long ago with the Tigers is that by the end of this deal, what type of player are you going to have? But listen, if Aaron Judge ends up getting the Yankees a couple more MVPs, a couple of World Series rings, you're okay paying him in those last two years of that contract, whatever it is, because he can still be your DH, kind of similar to what we're seeing in Detroit right now, I think, with Cabrera, and really what was going on with Pujols at the end of his career, too. Exactly, and then you hope at that point... They're chasing down milestone numbers, you know, with Miguel Cabrera as he chased down 500 home runs and 3,000 hits. And with Albert Pujols as he was chasing down 600 home runs, like hitting those historical numbers, you're going to be able to drive fans and and interest to your team, even if your team is struggling. Like somehow that's what was more interesting about the Angels, not the fact that Shohei Otani was out there, not the fact that Mike Trout, one of the best players in baseball, was there. 
one of the more interesting things about the Angels when Pujols was trying to chase down 600 home runs, even though he was old and, and seemingly washed up at that point until he found the fountain of youth in the second half of the season with the Cardinals, which I would not be banking on that if I'm the, uh, if I'm the Yankees, that at 39 years old, suddenly Aaron Judge is going to find that fountain. Uh, you know what, but listen. It's worth it. It's all worth it in the end because you can keep that. Again, going back to yeah. what um, Michael Kay said about the brand, man. Like, this is just... If he did not sign this contract and he ended up going out west, man, that would have been the biggest hit that I can think of to the Yankees brand in my lifetime. I, lifetime? I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to like rack my brain to remember one, but that's the thing is it not one comes to mind right away. Like, say, the Crosstown team, the Mets, the team I grew up watching, where – Hey, look, Jacob DeGrom, bye, I'm going to Texas. Now, I, I think that's actually, by the way, a good move for the Mets to let DeGrom go because of his health issues. But every other team has generally seen that big star leave, even Albert Pujols, like we were talking about, leaving the Cardinals initially. So I think it was important for the Yankees to maintain their kind of evil empire, you know, death star dominance in keeping Aaron Judge. And since we're, by the way, talking about it, don't forget, as we're oh, 39 years old, Justin Verlander, who won Cy Young, like, eh, you know what? he He's 40. And yep. he just cashed in big from the other team in New York, the Mets. We'll see if that's a smart move for the Mets. I have many thoughts there. But Aaron Judge, I think at 39, barring injury, you're still going to get a really productive player who's maybe still hitting, what, 25, 30 home runs at that point. But who knows nine years from now, eight years from now, what technically and technologically people have to kind of get that fountain of youth keep going. He may be okay, Gabe. Yeah, and again, I still think it's worth the risk for the New York Yankees to give him that extra year and that extra $40 million that he was looking for. Be a part of the Canty and Carlin Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Call us, 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. ESPN Nation, presented by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. So we go from... The New York Yankees and their big story to a big story that broke today in upstate New York. Some bad news from one of the Super Bowl favorites in the Buffalo Bills. Vaughn Miller ended up undergoing ACL surgery, and that was broken by his head coach, Sean McDermott, during his press conference today. An update, uh, Vaughn uh, underwent surgery yesterday. It was uh, exploratory type of surgery, and it turned out that he, uh, he got a uh, ACL uh, repair in there so he'll be out for the year uh, as an update for you guys very unfortunate situation uh, for Vaughn obviously in our team uh, we care for him obviously like in, like we would any player uh, we know how much this means uh, to him in terms of playing and and being with the team so we look forward to getting him back uh, obviously off the field for the rest of the season and, and his leadership and we're certainly thinking about him as he recovers here Sean McDermott talking about Vaughn Miller there. This is Canty and Carlin ESPN Radio. I'm Gabe Nudso along with Michael Rothstein in for the guys today. And just tough news. And you got to feel for Vaughn Miller in this situation because as his coach just said, as McDermott just said, exploratory surgery, Michael. So you're thinking, oh, you know, this is a guy that was talking about potentially playing and wanting to play this upcoming Sunday. Now, granted, that was a week and a half ago before he went on IR. But, oh, exploratory surgery. Okay, you go under, you wake up and, like, uh, hey, by the way, the season that you were hoping to have and maybe make a run of the Super Bowl with a pretty good team, that's over. We had to repair your ACL. That is tough, tough news and worst-case scenario news for the Buffalo Bills. How much does it harm their Super Bowl chances? 
Well, I think it hurts it a lot, but also let's be real here. Anytime you go in for something called exploratory surgery, <laughs> like let's not pretend like this was, oh, sunshine and roses. I'm going to definitely be back in four weeks because clearly they're exploring. That's the whole name of the surgery because they're not sure exactly what's going on. So I'm not shocked that something like this happened because to me, the way Von Miller came off the field and kind of the murky nature of the last week or so with him and and those conversations to me said, well, this was always a possible outcome. Maybe not the, the outcome you want, but it was always a possible outcome for Von Miller in terms of where it makes the bill, where it puts the bills. You know, that's a tough question, Gabe, because I I think what it does is it definitely makes a causes big problems in their defense, right? Because they they have a very electric pass rush. They need now they have guys like AJ Penenza and Greg Rousseau, guys that haven't played in a while because they were hurt that are now coming back. You need a lot more from them because what you were getting was they were going to be the complementary pieces to Vaughn Miller, who was still in his mid-30s, a premier pass rusher. You need to get something from them if you're going to win the AFC, because unlike the NFC, which is which both you and I cover teams in the NFC, me covering the Falcons, you covering the Packers, it's a mediocre conference. you got to be able to get to Tua, get to Patrick Mahomes, if you're going to win the AFC. And without Vaughn Miller, that could be a really hard ask for those other guys they have in that front seven. Yeah, the AFC is so incredibly top-heavy, and they're trying to chase down that number one seed, which I think would be very beneficial for them. And when you couple this, and I know they've played a few weeks without this guy, but Micah Hyde I just think is so important to what they do on defense, on the back end as one of their better safeties, and, and just an underrated player in the league. And when you're without him and Von Miller – now you're asking a lot. You're, you're, you're out of a couple of guys. And I know there have been teams that have, take, have absorbed significant injuries and still been able to go on and win Super Bowls. But, I mean, if, if this defense is able to keep it together and, and Josh Allen and the offense continue to be explosive and carry them to a Super Bowl appearance or a Super Bowl championship, that is going to be so incredibly impressive because both of those guys in Miller and Micah Hyde were going to play such a big role in what was going to be a really good defense. And they were the number one defense in the league last year. I thought they had a really good chance to be the number one offense, number one defense, or at least be the the, the most balanced team when it came to offense, defense in the league this year. But when you suffer significant injuries like this, that's going to be hard. And to me, yes, it puts more pressure on those younger guys and guys who haven't played, as you mentioned, on the pass rush. But to me, it also puts a little bit more pressure on the offense and Josh Allen because now – Chances are your defense isn't going to be as good as you were hoping, so you might need a little bit more production out of the offense. Yeah, for sure. And let's not shortchange this defense. They still have Jordan Poyer and Tredavious White in the back end. That's going to be incredibly helpful. Remember, they haven't had Tredavious White for most of the season, and they've still been a really Mm -hmm. good defense. You're getting a shutdown corner back. That is incredibly helpful. But you're right in that the need to get more from their offense. And I'm going to throw two names out at you that I think are going to be crucial for whether or not they're going to be this Super Bowl team that a lot of people think they can be down the stretch. And that is Gabe Davis and James Cook. James Cook, the last couple of weeks, has looked like he should be their number one running back. You've kind of been waiting for that from the rookie from Georgia I've really liked what I've seen from him, and if he can be that guy, if he can kind of take over that number one role a little bit, he offers a pass-catching option, 
and he can obviously run the ball. That is a dual threat that you can need in December and in January where it's really hard to play up in Buffalo and in Kansas City and really anywhere but Miami that they're going to maybe have to play in the AFC playoffs. And then Gabe Davis, man, he's just so hit and miss. You know, he'll have games where he just, you know, will go and do everything for you. And then he has games where he disappears. As somebody who actually is a manager of Gabe Davis and fantasy. I can tell you it is maddening <laughs> from a fantasy perspective. Always I can't even back to fantasy. Yeah. I, but, but, it, and I hate to do that because, you know, fantasy football and real football are two vastly different things. But when you're looking at a team that's going to need more from their offense, that is one guy that to me, it's like, Hey, I need more from you because that will also take some pressure off of Dawson Knox. That will take some pressure off of Stephon Diggs. And that will also make them even more difficult to defend and possibly open up more rushing lanes for Josh Allen. And that can turn so much of this offense, Gabe. Yeah, and the maddening, again, the maddening part is because we know what Gabe Davis is capable of when he had over 200 yards in quite possibly the best football game of last season in that divisional matchup against the Kansas City Chiefs. And, and he absolutely goes off in that game. So you go, oh, okay, maybe they have something here. But I really like your point about James Cook because because of his ability to make guys miss, it seems like over the last couple of weeks, Josh Allen is more comfortable taking what defenses are giving him and go, oh, I can dump this off to James Cook for just a couple, you know, throw it to him three yards past the line of scrimmage, he can make a guy miss and turn it into six, seven, eight, 15 yards. You know, he can still be able to move the offense by dumping it off, and it seems like he's getting that trust of Josh Allen, like, okay, I got to try to force it into this tight window to Stephon Diggs. Cook seems to be a huge, huge guy for them going forward. Not only that, but it will also do this other thing. It will maybe keep Josh Allen from running the ball as much because if you are the Bills, Josh Allen's already been banged up once this year in his elbow, his throwing elbow. You do not want that to happen again now from here on forward. So if those maybe five, six yard scrambles that Josh Allen would have end up turning into short passes that end up being five, six yards for James Cook, that is okay if you were the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> yeah. That is more than okay. And as much of he, I mean, he, the dude's a tank. Like, and I understand he's big, and he's a freight train. When he gets in the open field, 240-pound man just running, you know, 18, 19 miles an hour or whatever he's been clocked at. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Like, he's just so big. But at the same time, there are a lot of other big guys out there that can, you know, launch into him and cause some damage as it has this season. So I, I agree with you. You want to mitigate that damage if you can, if you're the Buffalo Bills. Now that the Yankees have re-signed Aaron Judge, there's only one thing left to do. I'll tell you what it is and when it'll happen. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Did you miss Canty and Carlin? Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Series XM, Channel 80. I'm Gabe Knight, so along with Michael Rothstein. We are in for the guys today. Big news across all the sports, especially in baseball, as Aaron Judge has returned to the New York Yankees at about $40 million per year. And here to help us break down that deal is Jeff Passan, ESPN Senior MLB Insider. But Michael, you had a pretty important question you wanted to ask, Jeff. I, I did. Hi, Jeff. Uh, so the <laughs> apple, your apple crate, are you buying it its own seat on the plane on the way home? Like, what are you doing Russian, Russian, with Russian, the apple Russian, crate? I don't even, I don't even, do you want me to bring up stories? <laughs> Do you do you want to play this game? I'm You're the one who posted on Twitter the, about your Apple Crate. Rossi, if you want if you want to open Pandora's box, by all means, go ahead. No, I, I, am, I am smart enough. I am smart right. enough to not Precisely do that. Precisely right. Okay. Wow. <laughs> See, now I want to know what Passon has on you, Mike, because who he backed you down. Oh in a hurry. no, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, let's go ahead and get to the Yankees. How did they get this deal done? Uh, because you tweeted out earlier that I mean, Judge flew into San Diego deciding between Padres, Giants, Yankees, and ultimately decides to stay in New York. Yeah, uh, I mean, the Padres were late entrants and the sweepstakes here. It has really been a Yankees and Giants production from the start, but the Padres got turned down by Trey Turner and I thought to themselves, well, if we're in the $300 million range, we might as well uh, explore the best player out on the market. And uh, he would have fit in wonderfully in the in and outfield with Juan Soto. But ultimately, the Yankees stepped things up financially. And I think Aaron Judge always wanted to go back there if all things were equal. And all things weren't entirely equal. I, I think he took less money than the Padres might have been willing to offer to go back to New York. But uh, in the end, benefits of being a New York Yankee for life. Uh, uh, I mean, the 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 difference between that and leaving mid-career financially, it's an exponential gain on the back end. And if Aaron Judge does retire as a New York Yankee for his entire career, he's going to be faded the same way that Derek Jeter is, the same way that Don Mattingly is, the same way that all the Yankees legends who stuck around are. Well, let's get into some of the particulars here. When do you anticipate the Yankees actually introducing him? And do you think they're going to maybe also make him the first captain since Jeter? Uh, yeah, he he is going to be getting the captaincy. That was sort of part of, I think, the, the entire recruiting pitch to him that, hey, uh, you know, this is a big deal in Yankee lore. And you want to be someone who is seen as a historically great player. So... Uh, we're going to bestow this on you. And listen, it, it was always going to be about more than money. Uh, I'm not discounting money at all, but uh, it was going to be about more than that. It was going to be about loyalty. It was going to be about love. It was going to be about how he felt 
And I think he knew the feeling of playing in New York better than anything. And uh, that weighed really strong in the end. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Gabe Nidesel, Michael Rothstein in for the guys this afternoon. Talking with Jeff Passan, ESPN Senior MLB Insider. So now we've seen Judge off the market, Trey Turner also off the market, a lot of the big pitching names off the market. What are the next dominoes to fall, and are they going to fall rapidly now that Judge has finally signed his deal? I don't know that it's going to be rapid necessarily, but I, I think that everybody better understands the landscape now. You know, the Chicago Cubs want a shortstop, and now the Yankees aren't going to be bidding for one, but San Francisco Giants in all likelihood are. And so you've got Carlos Correa in there, and you've got Dansby Swanson, and uh, you've got Xander Bogarts. And, you know, the the possibility that Bogarts could go soon, that's, that's a realistic one. Carlos Radon is the best pitcher left out there, but uh, Kodai Senga, Chris Bassett, like there are some good arms out there still. And, uh, you know, you really wonder, especially with Correa, after a season where his free agent market collapsed, it ain't collapsing this year, and he's going to get a $300-plus million contract. It's going to be from uh, the Giants. It's going to be from the Cubs. It's going to be from his incumbent team, the Twins. Uh, that, that, to me, is probably the most fascinating story still left out there. You mentioned, obviously, Correa and the Giants. They were, or, and the Giants and the Padres were really the two teams that were also in the judge conversation. Where do they go now? Is it as simple as the Giants and Correa, or is it maybe a little more, nu- more nuanced with both these teams? Well, uh, I don't think Radon is going to be going back to the Giants, but they, they will almost undoubtedly get one of the shortstops. And uh, the Padres, you know, the, the Padres don't need a shortstop. They have Fernando Tatis Jr. and Hassan Kim, but. They could move Kim over to second base. They could move Tatis into left field, and they could plug in a shortstop, whether uh, it's Bogarts. I haven't heard them linked with Correa, though that would make sense. Um, or or they can go and get a guy like Brandon Nimmo, potentially. If, if they are really prioritizing offense, uh, there are still some bats out there who could make a big difference. And if not, you know, maybe they go for one of the pitchers. Point is, Padres have money to spend, and... Uh, by all accounts, they look very ready and willing to spend it. Jeff Passan, ESPN Senior MLB Insider, joining us, Kantian Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN App. I'm Gabe Neitzel. He's Michael Rothstein. All right, Michael, I set you up for failure, I guess, on the opening question. <laughs> so before we let Jeff go, let, let's try to make him make you feel a little bit better about your team, the Mets. Is it Are the Mets better off letting DeGrom go to the Rangers while picking up uh, Justin Verlander, Jeff? I mean, there's certainly a very compelling argument to be made that that's the case. It's almost $100 million less in salary. It's less of uh, a commitment of years with with pitchers, generally speaking, declining as they get older. And yet uh, we're talking about general decline with aging. They go out and sign a guy who's going to be 40 on opening day and Justin Verlander. Uh, But the, the short commitment, you know, there's an aphorism in baseball. There's no such thing is a bad one-year deal um i'm not going to say there's no such thing as a bad two-year deal especially when the two-year deal is coming at 43.3 million dollars a year but uh you can get almost as good if not better if he stays healthy performance from justin verlander as you can from jacob de and so when you compound that with signing jose quintana trading for brooks Raley, and the mets are not done spending at this point um 
the, the fascinating thing to me is they are well over the luxury tax threshold. Not not the bottom one at two hundred thirty three million. No, the top one at two hundred ninety three million. They're about ten million over now after the Rayleigh trade, and uh, you know it doesn't look like they're going to stop spending anytime soon. A three hundred million dollar team. When you add in luxury tax penalties at this point, it's about another $40 million. I mean, we could conceivably be looking, if the Mets get up to a payroll of $330 million or so, we're looking at another $60-plus million in, in luxury tax penalties. We could be looking at a $400 million baseball team, which is something I never thought that I would say, but welcome to the Steve Cohen era. <laughs> Did I make you feel better, Michael? Or I'm no, because sure they're still going to end up losing to the Braves. So it just, you know, <laughs> that's just life. Jeff, don't, should... don't forget the Phillies. Like the National League East is a yeah. meat grinder, and uh, I, I will I will say this: what the Mets have done, uh, I think, is great for baseball in New York. You are going to have two juggernauts there, and they are going to be fighting it out for supremacy in the city, and uh, that's a good thing for baseball. Jeff, we certainly appreciate the time and look forward to seeing you breaking more baseball news as their offseason progresses. Thank you, fellas. Take care. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yo, check this out from Canty and Carlin. I'm not Canty, he's not Carlin. I'm Gabe Knight, so along with Michael Rothstein, Canty and Carlin, presented by Progressive Insurance. We are in for the guys today, and some of the big news throughout the course of today is that Von Miller indeed tore his ACL, found it out during exploratory surgery, and he is now going to be out for the remainder of the season for the Buffalo Bills. But the Bills not the only team dealing with a devastating injury, as the San Francisco 49ers knew that Jimmy Garoppolo, their starting quarterback, had a foot injury. They got some good news, but I'm not quite sure if it's great news. Here's Kyle Shanahan on Jimmy G's timetable of a potential return. It's not a list, Frank. They don't have to do surgery on it. Um, still going to be a big recovery, um, but much less than what we anticipated, which is awesome news for him in the offseason. He'll be good to go right away, so it won't be like last year. I mean, there's that way outside chance, you know, late in the playoffs or something like that, but um, it's just an outside chance. We're not really real optimistic about that, but they didn't rule it out. Kyle Shanahan talking about Jimmy G. It's, it's it's kind of good news. It's definitely good news for Jimmy Garoppolo, Michael, because he doesn't need to have the surgery, and whenever you can avoid that, you obviously want to. But at the same time, the prognosis seems, I doubt he returns for the San Francisco 49ers because even, let's say, Brock Purdy somehow leads you to an NFC Championship game appearance. Are you really going to want to put in a cold Jimmy G at that point? It seems to me like Jimmy G's season is probably over. 
probably. You're you're right with probably, but let's take this scenario here, Gabe. Okay. Say say the Niners do get to the NFC title game, but they do it mostly on the strength of a combination of Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel and their their running game and their incredibly talented defense. And Brock Purdy is basically game managing them and you know they're throwing fifteen times a game type of thing. Which, by the way, isn't out of the realm of possibility no. because they did it in 2019. Right. Like, but, Jimmy G threw, I think, 15 times against the Vikings in the divisional round and 10 times against the Packers en route to a Super Bowl appearance in 2019. So it's that is certainly within the realm of possibility. It, it is, but I'm saying, if that is the scenario, right? Like, let's just say that that is the scenario. I think at that point, you maybe do go to a Jimmy Garoppolo because he can give you more than Brock Purdy can at that point, that said, I think if the Niners are go end up do making that run, it will be really hard to pull away from Brock Purdy at that point. And, you know, I, I've got visions of if they do make this type of run, of you know the Brady Bledsoe situation from twenty years ago, of other scenarios where you know the the Wally Pip thing is what a century old at this point, like but that. It would be really interesting to see what happens if Brock Purdy makes a run at this because not only do they have one quarterback they would have to make a decision on, they'd actually have two. I can't imagine them, and maybe this is unfair to Brock Purdy after only seeing him not even play a full game against the Miami Dolphins, but I have a hard time imagining him being able to win a couple of games, especially if those couple of games end up being against who I believe are the two best teams in the NFC that just happen to be in the same division, and that's the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles. They, if, if he's able to win two playoff games, sure, you know, open up the, the, the playoffs. Maybe you're playing a team like Washington or New York. Okay, I can maybe see that. But then playing a, a step up in competition, we've seen the Cowboys hanging 40 points on people. Like If they get into some sort of shootout where Dallas's offense is absolutely clicking, do I think Brock Purdy could lead them in a shootout? I, I really don't. So I, I have a hard time imagining the San Francisco 49ers making the run you were talking about just because I think the offenses of the Eagles and Cowboys, not that they'll both just go up because that's such a talented defense for San Francisco, but it would be tough to somehow keep both of those offenses at bay if those are the two teams they end up having to play. Well, a couple of things. First, I think you're very much underestimating San Francisco's defense because look at what they just did to Miami. I mean, that defense just shut Miami down. And Miami, I think, might have the second most explosive offense in the NFL. Also, I'd love to just clip that with Brock Purdy and save it and maybe bring it up to freezing cold takes because I think it's possible. I'm not saying that Brock Purdy is great. I'm just saying I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility after what I saw last Sunday. Well, because, yeah, because there is just so much talent and. It's with the NFL being the copycat league that it is, I don't think you can necessarily duplicate what the San Francisco 49ers have done because they've built up that defense into the juggernaut that it's been for the last three, four years. And then to add Christian McCaffrey and have Debo Samuel grow into what he did and Brandon Ayuk and, oh, by the, by the way, have one of the better tight ends in the NFL and George Kittle in the middle of the field as well. It, it's going to be really hard to replicate. So that one specific instance could be the one where somebody like Brock Purdy could have success. OBJ to the Cowboys. We'll tell you what's holding up his deal. It's next ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. You can't miss Canty and Carlin. Pound for pound. The biggest show on ESPN Radio.